All right, welcome to episode two of the postcast. We did it. We came back another week. We've stuck to a schedule. We've got uh, two of these going. At least we're recording them. We'll see if we post them. Uh, but this is starting to look like a consistent, regular thing. Um, I am again your host, Kevin Wallace, and today we've got a three-part episode for you. Part one, we're going to do a quick hit on Austin FC. Nobody wants to relive that game, uh, but we're going to quickly, uh, you know, react to it a little bit. How, how do you dodge a 5 nothing loss there? Part two in the bulk of this episode is an interview with Max Ellerby. Max is a long-time Bailey uh, stalwart. This guy has been there from the beginning. He's written most of the chants you have sung. He can tell you how much a TIFO costs, where to set off a smoke bomb, how to get involved. He's got some good stories there. And part three, we're just going to hit a couple of quick segments. We've got some betting involved there. It's going to be a good time. And just like last week, joining me, uh, we've got two contributors from the post Cincy. Uh, we got Grayson Chalmers here. Grayson, are you surprised as I am that you're back two weeks? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty surprised, but I, I've, I've, I think I've, you know, grown more into the role of a podcaster. Um, I have a glass with ice in it that I can kind of clink as an affectation. So people know that I'm, you know, a gentleman of, uh, uh, some, some substance that, drinks uh brown liquor uh you know at to round out the evening on a weeknight no less <laughs> it it definitely makes the podcast more sophisticated and that of course was the beautiful voice of the chief the war pig himself chief i believe we're on the the at least as we record we're on the eve of a scarf release for you how you feeling tonight i'm i'm feeling great I'm actually kind of curious when you did that intro, like how many podcasts record episode one, put them up to Apple Podcasts, and then episode two never happens. Like, I imagine that you look on Apple Podcasts, and it's a graveyard of great ideas. And like, how many people bought the equipment, got all psyched, recorded episode one, and just there's a fan out there waiting for episode two to drop that never happens. Well, good news for you, ladies and gentlemen of the FC Cincinnati-verse. There's an episode two coming. No promises about number three. Fuck directly off. This is all you're getting. <laughs> I I will say, you know, the first time you sit down and, and edit a podcast and it takes about four times longer than recording did, that that's a real gut check moment of our, are you committed to this? Uh, which I think is, is good and useful and it helps weed people out. And speaking of a graveyard of podcasts, yes, uh, we finally made it to Apple Podcasts. And if you search... Uh, postcast, you will find that veritable graveyard of podcast ideas, RIP in particular, to the Morgantown, West Virginia postcast that was recapping their daily news. Man, what a brilliant idea. Uh, but if you are looking for us on the old Cincy, uh, or no, if you're looking for us on Apple Podcasts, uh, you'd be looking for the Cincy postcast. We threw Cincy in there, so it's easier to find. But, uh, Guys, I Grayson, don't know about you. Grayson, one drink up in the air for Morgantown, West Virginia. <laughs> home, home of West Virginia University. I once attended a football game there where the officiating staff got on the public address system to tell the student body if they didn't stop throwing liquor bottles on the field, West Virginia would be forced to forfeit. So, drinks in the air for Morgantown, ladies and gentlemen. A burning couch to you, West Virginia University. 
And if you don't include, if you don't include the Cincy when you search an Apple podcast, most of those podcasts that come back will be about the revelation. (laughs) I mean, we can pivot if we have to. We'll see where the listeners uh, uh, drive us here. Um, But I, like I was going to say, guys, I I don't know about you. Uh, My weekend was damn near ruined by old FC Cincinnati. I was, uh, I was enjoying a nice family meal at Uncle Yip's, uh, some delicious Chinese food. We had a nice big, uh, lazy Susan going around with some delicious dishes. And then, uh, I had the brilliant plan of watching FC Cincinnati on my phone. And, um, I think everybody in the fan base was thinking, Oh God, Oh God, just please let's not give up an early goal here. And, uh, son of a gun, they did it. Uh, chief, I don't know which. What was your gut reaction to a five nothing loss to a second year team? I I, I watched it uh, up at Northern Row, and my first reaction was was anger. Like, why is this happening again? Like, what the actual fuck? Why is this happening again? And then, like, I paused for like twenty to thirty seconds, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, our best case scenario this year was not finishing in last place. Like, I think. Most of us are just going to be happy with like a 10th, 11th place finish in the Eastern Conference. Just don't, don't finish dead last again. And, and the thing about that is that if your goal is to just not finish in last place, that still means you're going to lose a shitload of games. And so on one hand, yeah, it sucks to lose five to nothing. And like the way we lost was just comical. Like nothing was good. Like the only stretches of good play were because Austin kind of took their foot off the gas. And at any point they wanted goals, they could go and get goals. But it's hard for me to get fired up when I know that this is a rebuilding season. I know we're going to lose a lot of games. And I don't know. Is that apathy? Is that bad? Like, am I already, am I part of the problem now that, like, I have no expectations to this team? So losing five to nothing, it's just like, eh, just try not to do that again. Yeah. I, I mean, on one hand, I, I mean, I wrote before the season started that, like, people should have expectations and and let the disappointment come to you. But I did have a similar reaction to, uh, you know, that, that was essentially the exact same team that we ran out last year, only we replaced our $13 million striker with a second-round draft pick, and we brought a guy out of retirement to play right back. And you start thinking, oh, oh, wait a second. I don't think this team actually got that much better. Uh, oh, sorry. Moreno was a defensive midfielder. That was nice. Um, so I, I don't know, Grayson, what was your, what was your reaction? And, uh, I don't know what, where's your level of disappointment? I should say there. So last week I, I, I pulled up Hulu and I spent two hours watching something that was so inexplicably bad and it was devoid of any incoherent ideas that I couldn't believe the people responsible for it were even professionals in their field. So I'm sorry, yeah, The Last Jedi is on Disney Plus. It's not on Hulu. So yeah, I don't understand what you <laughs> So yeah, maybe maybe you could maybe you could single out one or two performances that were that 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 stood out, but like at the end of the day, it's not worth your time. And that's how I felt watching The King's Man starring Rafe Fiennes. Um but that's also how I felt after the Austin game. <laughs> yeah, God bless everybody who does individual uh, player ratings, player reviews. I 
I genuinely don't know how you do that after that game. Uh, nobody looked particularly good, and uh, God bless the club for uh, sending their employees out to go uh, post highlights and and good clips of guys beating players. But um, that was uh, that that was rough. But it was also like, what did you expect? Like, right. the, the the kid, what's his name? The mechan- Mike the Mechanic, whatever his name is. Nick Mechanish. Like, I don't know. Like, I watched the game again in preparation for doing this podcast. And it's like, he was fine, but he's a college kid. Like, he probably still gets carded when he goes to ML Dudes. Like, like <laughs> he got into some good positions, but he's not going to finish these goals. He's a second round pick for a reason. You watched that game again? I did. Oh my oh, god! I know, right? <laughs> oh man, I, man, I do some terrible things with my free time. Like I barely watched this second half myself. I mean, you you watch this game and it's like Vasquez whiffs a clearance in the first minute, and all of a sudden we're down one nil, and then he whiffs a goal scoring opportunity on the other end fifteen minutes later, and we don't score there. And it's just it was a it was a comedy of errors. By the time you get to like them backheeling all around the field like the Harlem Globetrotters, like. I don't know. It's I don't know why we expected anything different. And that's part of the process here is that like, yeah, Alan Cruz is going to run around looking thoroughly disinterested in playing the sport of soccer. That's we knew that going into this. And we knew that there were probably going to be some defensive miscues because our back line isn't great. The, the, the infuriating part yeah, of it was I, that their draft pick Grayson, was starting I mean, he, he and keeping up a clean a sheet point, in front which... of us while I don't know what the hell Roman was doing. Like, fuck, if he was on the bench, I'd would love to be that guy collecting a game check while Alex can gets dunked on for five goals. Like that was just sort of like summarizing this in a nutshell is that the guy we drafted can't see the field while his, the person ahead of him gets scored on their guy holds us to a clean sheet. And it's just like a sure that's just FC Cincinnati right there. That's how it's going to be for a while. I don't know, man. I think it's fair to expect professional soccer players to connect with the ball either on either end of the field. But we have forwards who can't kick the ball when it's in front of goal on the attacking end, and they can't kick the ball when it's in front of the goal on the defending end. And we have those forwards too, but like it's it's just little things and death by a billion paper cuts. It's like why was a second round pick starting in this game? It's because for some reason they didn't start the v- the green card process for Brenner until what like two weeks before the assignment was due. Like this is every fucking eighth grade science fair project where they woke up one morning, realized that the you know the season was starting two weeks from now. Guess we better get Brenner's green card sorted out. Like why were we waiting on doing that? Like. He didn't train with the team all off season because he was doing his paperwork. Like we couldn't do that in December or November. Like I'm not an immigration lawyer, but I feel like they knew when the start of the season was going to be. And so we're starting some kid that's 21 years old that's probably still collecting Pokemon cards. And it's like, all right, why should we expect him to score goals? He did a great job for what he was asked to do, but the, the circumstances were just shitty. I think the visa and green card applications are being processed kind of slow right now because everybody in the embassy is suffering from Havana syndrome. <laughs> Chief, I'm going to say I see mostly adults online collecting Pokemon cards these days. So I feel like if he's doing it, it's more of a mature hobby uh, at this point. But uh, but it better than, it's better than NFTs with Brandon Vasquez, I guess, right? Like. The Pokemon cards have actual value, at least. Hey, man, take that stuff to random nonsense on the Pride Discord. (laughs) 
So I guess the question everyone's asking, uh, I mean, we knew the issues going into this game. I don't think any of us thought it would be that bad. But uh, Chief, I mean, whose fault is this? Like, who who takes the blame here? <sighs> I mean, you could you could pick any number of people. Like, part of the joy of this game was that every single person was bad. Um, like Lucho was maybe the least bad. Like I I watched him play and it seemed like he was doing yeoman's work trying to make the offense move in terms of who was at fault i gotta say brandon vasquez um the first goal was 1000 percent his fault like it's just his fault he whiffs on a clearance and going down in that first minute that changes everything about the game like everything throw the game plan out the window everything is different from that point forward and then he misses a, a really good chance on the other end. Like, I don't expect the college kid to score, but Brandon Vasquez, he scored four goals in his last eight games last year. You know, I've gone on record defending the guy, saying I think that he should be getting more minutes. And he lets in a goal on one end. He doesn't score his opportunity on the other end. If you had to pick one person, you could put your finger on anyone in this game. I mean, Khan or Can was terrible in this game. Just absolutely terrible. But... If I had to pick one, Vasquez, maybe, but you could throw a dart and hit anyone in this, and, and blame anyone for this loss. Yeah, Grayson, who you, who you sticking with the blame on this one? So I think this is one of this, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, failure is an orphan, and you know, but um, I, I think that I would say most at fault is Chris Albright, and I, I don't mean that in a. In, in as bad a way of it sounds, I I think that despite what he said, he has punted at least at the beginning of the season. Um, I think that he could have done more in the offseason to have a, let's say, uh, less below average team. Um, but he is taking his time to rebuild the roster. He's not doing the you know Chris Henderson down in Miami ship out seventeen players, bring in fourteen, do a whole roster turnover all at once. Um, I think that a decision was made strategically to eat some early season results. Um, so I think that this result, at least at, or at the very least, being vulnerable to this result was a choice. Yeah, I. I have to agree with you there. There's one thing that FC Cincinnati has never been particularly good at, even going back to the USL days, and in fairness, much harder to do then. But uh, you don't see a lot of transfers out. You see a lot of mutual partings of, of way. And maybe that's uh, you know a byproduct of recruiting terrible players that have no value elsewhere. But we've seen plenty of FC Cincinnati players going to have success in other MLS teams. Um it's weird that we can't find a home for Atanga and Barrial despite not having a roster or a uh, game plan that's really designed for them. That Kubo and Cruz couldn't find transfers abroad, uh, if not in the league. Uh, very weird that not enough was moved around. Chief, but what do I you mean, to, me? to, to that extent, the, the, it's still the fault here is still Gerard Nykamp. I mean, Chris Albright didn't give Alan Cruz a massive increase in his wage bill that made his contract untradeable. I mean, you watch Alan Cruz out there, and it's like, okay, I think he he tackled a dude from behind and clearly picked up a yellow and otherwise was invisible during the game. 
Like the the Nykamp was the guy that signed Kenneth Vermeer, who was watching another guy get scored on for five goals. You know, Gerard Nykamp was the guy who brought in the back line that pairing that we had right here. So to a large extent, like could Albright be doing more? Yeah, I think he could have done a little more, but he's still being hamstrung by the fact that most of the people that were at fault in this game were guys he didn't sign. And I don't know how you can lay that at his feet. Yeah, but you look at you look at Chris Henderson down in Miami. He's he's shown that if you prioritize shipping people out, and that is your and that is goal number one, you can do it. And and I think so. What it seems to me is that Albright has said rather than just ship people out and bring in whoever to replace them, I'm going to wait out their contracts and you know maybe have more time to build a long-term plan. Yeah, but, I mean, to that point, uh, the Pizarro situation is both of those things. Miami's eating a DP spot. It's uh, I presume they're they're paying DP salary, uh, but he's out on loan. He's playing in Mexico. So they got rid of the player, but they're still eating that contract. Um, I, think it's, I think it's them. because, I, my understanding, and I could be wrong, probably I'm wrong, but... Um, my understanding is that because they didn't get a loan fee for Pizarro, um, I see they they have to they have to eat the DP slot. I do think that his Mexican team is taking on most or all of his salary, but I don't th- I, I don't see. think they okay. paid any kind of loan fee uh, for him. And see, like this is like okay, so we we have this strategic partnership with TSG Hoffenheim, and we took on what was that guy's name Kovacic last year for an oh, entire yeah. year. Like, which I'm convinced was a money laundering scam of some sort, or that he was like in federal witness protection over in Germany from the mob or something like that. Like, Actually, we should keep an eye on him. He might be in an active war zone right now. I don't remember what team he went to. <laughs> shit. I don't know. <laughs> he went, right, he went I, to some Eastern European team. <laughs> I hope he is safe and accounted for right now. I, I hope that at the very least. But like... Like, if there was ever a time to leverage, or we signed some bullshit partnership with Sao Paulo when we got Brenner in, is do none of these clubs, can we leverage none of them to take one of these bad contracts off our hands? Like, I don't know much about the Bundesliga 2 or wherever, like, I think TSG's in Bundesliga straight up. Like, they've got to have room in the budget for Alan Cruz or Kenneth Vermeer, where they can just go and write it off as a charitable contribution to the United States of America. Like, I don't understand why, like, do none of these players have any sort of value that Albright could be getting rid of them? Like, is it that bad? I, I don't know the answer to that question. But if no one is taking Alan Cruz off our hands, that has to say something about just how bad the value on his contract is. So I think it's I think it shows you the difference between having a, you know, quote unquote partnership and being part of the same corporate structure. I mean, how many how many bad contracts has NYCFC um offloaded? to uh, City Football Group to uh, free up space. Or, you know, you had the deal with Colorado Rapids selling Austin Trusty to Arsenal basically just to get a gam infusion. I, I, I want to say it was Mixed Discord became a Manchester City player for a hot second, and that, that should uh, be a red flag to anybody right there. Um, final thoughts, guys, on the game. Not that it... Not that it deserved it, but I suppose we have to give it to it. Do we, uh, Grayson, what do you got? 
So I think I think you know well, well we might disagree on a number of things about the game. I think we can all agree that it is the worst thing to happen in the last week anywhere. I mean, it, it, it's either that or I don't know an invasion of a sovereign nation uh, and the displacement of hundreds of thousands of refugees. I mean, your call as to what the worst thing that happened last week is. I mean, here's the debate: worst attack, Russia, FC Cincinnati. Hmm? I mean. They were both useless in the air, so I mean that's one thing that I think we need to talk about. I would have loved, incidentally, if Albright would have come out in the post-game interview, and when they asked him, "Coach, what the fuck? Your team got blown out five to nothing." If he would have, with a straight face, looked at the, ca- the camera and said, "Well, I, you know, I think our players' thoughts are elsewhere with the people of Ukraine, and you know, all, all, everything to Austin that they were able to put this out of their head." and play soccer at a time like this, but I think our team understands what the real priorities are, and we're just going to do what we can to get focused for the next week, and we'll see if we can do that. Just uncynically and unironically, completely pass the buck (laughs) based on international geopolitical problems. Everybody else is making Ukraine about themselves. Why not us? Yeah, yeah. Albright gets out there, or Noonan gets out there and says, as an empath, you know, I just have to, I feel a certain (laughs) way about this. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, can I offer one more take about the game Please. before we, we get on? Oh. This is just is a small thing. I, I, I pointed this out and just look. I hate criticizing people who are just trying to make a living. Well, that's a lie. I do that all the time. But <laughs> the broadcast was horrid. I'm sorry. I know this is a third rail for FC Cincinnati, but like, I'm sorry. Like. I was watching this again today, and I already knew what happened. It's like I already had the spoilers for this. But, like, I'm watching this, and there's no analysis of where the breakdowns are coming from. There's no tactical discussion of why we're getting scored on or what's happening. It's all very surface level. You know, we the broadcast team would rather talk about numbers for jerseys and clearly pre-scripted uh, banter and topics they wanted to cover. And, you know, I mean, I I see online frustration with this team. And I I do wonder a little bit how much of the frustration with this team and how much of the frustration of this process is just that the broadcast doesn't educate the fans as to what the problems are or what's going on in the game. I mean, maybe I pay too much attention to this shit, but I remember growing up, like, listening to Reds games. There was no one that hated the Reds more than Marty Brenneman. And Marty Brenneman is single-handedly responsible for why the Reds fan base hate Adam Dunn, who, if he'd have hit like 10 more home runs or 20 more home runs, would be a Hall of Famer, or why the Reds fan base was so sour on Joey Votto early in his career. Um, Broadcasters have such a power to explain the game, educate the fan base, and make a difference in how the product is perceived. And man, there is a disconnect right now with what the broadcast team is doing or is not doing with this FC Cincinnati product. Like, I don't get smarter watching the games, and that's a problem, I think. So I watched the Austin feed, and I got to say the camera work was bad. But Adrian Healy can definitely call a game. It would be nice. I mean, it's what it's always been my criticism of, like, NFL coverage, especially ESPN studio shows, 
coverage of the NFL, but like there is no discussion of actual football. Everything is, uh, I guess, presuming you played in high school. And if, uh, if, if you don't have that, you, you won't get the game. Um, and then a guy like Tony Romo comes along and tells you when a quarterback is audibling and what they might have seen, uh, to force that audible. And all of a sudden the game is more accessible and people enjoy it and people like the, uh, the broadcast team. And I couldn't agree more. I, I think more soccer analysis in a soccer broadcast would be greatly appreciated. And especially and right now, like have to right ask. now, like yeah. this team is, this team's going through a rebuild right now. I mean, we're calling it a punt. Is it not a punt? Who cares? But like, there has never been a more important time than right now for as Albright rebuilds this team to have people who are communicating to the fan base, what the fuck is going on? Because to the untrained eye, or even to my eye, I'm not a trained eye at all, I just have hot takes on the internet, but like, explain to the fan base when it's getting better, how it's getting better, or explain to the fan base what the formation is they're trying to do. Like, there was mention on the broadcast about the diamond formation, but like, it was almost like a check the box thing, like, well, I mentioned diamond here, I can move on to my bullshit talking point about how often Jeff Cameron has traded jersey numbers for red hats or whatever the hell he was doing. Like, help the fans understand what's going on and I, I don't know if it's an edict that can come down from someone at a higher authority in the club or whether they need to launch the crew and start again but man that the game is a tough watch especially when they're losing it's just it's it it, it feels it could be better i'll say that as a final point to this yeah i mean you know you know things didn't go well for fc cincinnati when we're lashing out at and everything we can find from the GM to the to the broadcast booth, but no, I think that I think that pretty well puts a bow on a five nothing loss again to a second uh, second year team. I believe that is the uh, worst season opening loss of an MLS uh, season ever. So congratulations, Cincinnati, picking up another uh, trophy in the cabinet there. So uh, that'll. Wrap us for uh, part one. Part two coming up. We have a wonderful interview with Max Ellerby. Uh, guy was great to have on. Enjoy Max Ellerby. All right, with the postcast, we love to do the weekly deep dive. We, we pick one topic and beat it to death until we feel like we've gotten all of the juice out of it. And this week, we're talking in-stadium atmospheres. We're talking the home opener with Max Ellerby, vice president of the Pride, longtime Knight of the Bailey, uh, somebody who's had his hands, his fingers, his digits, deep in every aspect of the culture around uh, FC Cincinnati Stadium uh, environments and chants and everything else. So, uh, Max, welcome to the postcast, buddy. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me, K-Dub. <laughs> oh, man. So happy to have you here. Uh, I just got one simple question to start us off with. Uh, it was a hot topic last year. Max, are we going to have a TIFO, the home opener this year? I, yes. Yeah, we will. Um, everything this year started a little slow, but <clears throat> we pulled it off and uh, it, it, I, I think people will like it. Uh, it's a subject matter near and dear to my heart, uh, just like everything is. I love everything 
always. And I love this Tifo. <laughs> so I I guess for me, one thing I've I've been around a little bit. I, I've seen how, how some of this sausage is made. Um I, I've got just one one basic question. How much does one of these things cost? How how much does a TIFO cost? If I if I wanted to fund one myself, how how much money am I am I putting out? I'd like to note for the record that's now two basic questions you've asked at the start of this interview. So hey, you know what? I we have a TIFO. I I got to know more about this TIFO. All right. Yeah, I, it depends on what you so. It depends on what one considers a TIFO. If we're talking about what FC Cincinnati has done. So in our Nippert days, we started, uh, I don't know, you know, 20 by 20, 30 by 30. Um, I think once we started getting a little bigger, we set it settled on like 40 by 30. So 40 feet by 30 feet. Um, they run a, at that size a couple of thousand dollars. So you figure, you know, some of your materials can be like yoked together. So paint will stretch a little farther um fabric will not uh but uh yeah so you know if you're going 40 by 60 that's four grand if you're going 40 by 90 you get the idea these these things can can balloon and cost pretty quickly especially when we're doing them the hard way which is what we're doing we're buying fabric we're sewing it together we are putting it up on a wall projecting the image we're tracing it painstakingly Sometimes if the TIFO's massive, uh, we're sewing pieces that have been traced together. And then uh, art people who are, are far more art than myself get down on their hands and knees, still in their mind's eye with the giant display, hand fixing all of you know any issues that the TIFO had when you go from tracing it to sewing the pieces together. It's a, it's a whole galaxy brain thing that I don't quite understand, but... Uh, you know, we pull it off and I, I'd like to say that Cincinnati does TIFO pretty well, um, especially for how young we are as a fan base. So I've painted these TIFOs as well with you in some of these. Have, have you ever stopped and just marveled at the fact that we spend thousands of dollars on a piece of art that's going to be seen for all of 90 seconds, maybe two minutes, and then gets thrown away like... We were up painting the TIFO for the home opener this past weekend, and the previous TIFO from the last game we did one for is just in a corner, just sitting there. <laughs> There's probably cockroaches living inside there, rats living inside there, and that was thousands of dollars and hundreds of manpower hours to do that, just in a corner. Yeah, a lot of what we do is, is I, I'll, I'll say... We very often, especially in the past, have found ways to reuse things. And I think that we will do that with some of our recent projects. Not yet have we figured out what to do with them, but they will not go to complete waste. Um, but yeah, it's and, and this will be a recurring theme in a lot of what we do. It is fairly soul crushing how much work goes into this for for moments of glory. I bet that's sports, right? You you. you Invest yourself heavily, your time, your effort, effort, your spirit, your money, and then poof, it's gone in moments. And, you know, sometimes those moments can live forever. You know, you think of particularly TIFOs from like Portland will live in infamy for generations. Um, I think that the quality of our TIFOs um, are, are S tier. I think that our size limits us, you know, obviously new home rigging system, 
we're trying to figure out, you know, ways we can go bigger and better. Um, if you give a guy like Springsteen too much rope, he's going to end up making like 3D displays with, with integrated machinery, but in due time. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. Smoke is kind of a similar thing where those smoke bombs are not free. They're not cheap either. I'm a cheap ass and the amount of money some of these things cost just makes me physically ill. How much for... How much does a smoke bomb cost? Well, fella, how much time you got? So there's depends on what kind of smoke bomb you're talking about. But so we don't go too far down a rabbit hole. I know we're in a deep dive. No, I like I love rabbit holes. All right, fuck it, let's go. So there, uh, there's w, <laughs> there's WP40s. They're the they're the little handheld ones that you can, um, you know, they're single side release. Those are those are about six bucks, and that's if you're talking about the cost of you know that's that's friend that's hookup prices. That's if you've had a relationship with a local distributor and you've been buying shitloads of smoke, and they're getting stuff you know by the pallet load. Um, You've also got these little ones. I think they're, they're, um, I don't know if it's WP, but WP stands for wire pull, but they're basically, there's a double-sided version of that. Um, those are relatively the same cost, but, um, you know, your, your quote unquote burst models that dump smoke out faster are a little more expensive, also easier to use. But the ones that we use the most are called EG18X. Those are $12 a piece. And again, those are hookup prices. And that's, I think, 60,000 cubic feet of uh, smoke in 60 seconds. Jesus. And what, that's four smoke bombs a goal. So 50 bucks a, a goal if FCC. Well, you're talking about you're talking about four capo stands and two nooks. So we're talking two, four, six, eight, 12 smoke bombs going off at once. Yeah, so like you put that like times four, and we score like you know six goals a season. You're really talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dozens of dollars are flying out the window in smoke. You get half an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh but um, but imagine when we're good. I use the word when, by the way, because I'm I'm a I'm an eternal optimist. But imagine how much this shit's going to cost when we're good just absolutely dumping smoke into the air. And my father ruined fireworks for me a long time ago. I used to mow so many lawns, look through that Phantom Fireworks catalog and be like, oh shit, it's going down in July. And then one day he took a $20 bill and lit it on fire. And as it was burning, he looked me dead in the eye and went, wee, wee. <laughs> and that just mock, mocking to my core from that moment on. Uh, absolutely ruined fireworks for me. Oh my god, that's I've never met your father, but uh, <laughs> I'd really love to. That, that man. Just just imagine black guy born in 1953 in Youngstown, and everything follows from there. <laughs> that's so much money. So where's this money coming from? How 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 are people how are people funding these things? I assume I assume Jeff Burning's cutting a check for all of this. Yeah, I give Jeff a call, uh, usually likes things in a CSV file, um, you know, shoot it to him over uh, probably in June or uh, <laughs> July of the previous year, just to get a sense of, you know, the, the clip that we're on. But no, it, it's, um, 
supporter groups they charge a membership uh we try to keep it at, at you know as cheap as we can twenty dollars is is typically a a nice square number that we shoot for and um you know it, the more of those you can sell the lower you can get your unit costs we have a bunch of groups that pitch in and and that's really how we fund this stuff it, you know if there's a shirt we can come up with or or some kind of swag item that that people want we'll generate that but uh yeah it's it's all the hard way um so every <laughs> as a supporter group leader like obviously i want the team to do well that's the entire reason i'm here um there's a small part of me, especially because, again, I'm a cheap bastard, when we're absolutely just dumping smoke and and we have like, an, you know, in 2017, when we were on that open cup run and we, we made, I think, we made four TFOs in like two months or something stupid. And just the amount of money that that went through, I was like, oh, the success, this is amazing. And I was thinking like, this is, this is so much money. I'm physically ill over this. <laughs> And and the difference between MLS and USL, I mean, yeah, USL yeah. was the Wild West when it came to smoke. I remember back in Nippert Stadium, like, you'd look around after a goal was scored and you'd see someone holding a smoke bomb up and you'd be like, do I know that guy? Like, did he bring that in from home? <laughs> like, people with, like, looking like Chewbacca with bandoliers of smoke coming in, just being like, I hope we score a lot today. And if we don't, I hope they're not planning on playing for five minutes after we score. Dude, I said... I sat in section 104 in Nippert, and I went to the U.S. Open Cup game against Indy, Indy 11B, whatever, Indy 11, NPSL, and I was in like the ninth or 10th row, and there were some Indy 11 fans in the first row, and they had brought their own smoke bombs, and they were just like holding it, and we're just being enveloped in our section in smoke, and nobody's doing anything. Yeah. Those are called the good old days. What was the open cup game we were at? Was it Chicago where like they were bringing like sparklers and firecrackers in and like the entire thing looked like it was like a pyrotechnic section. Like when you're at like an amateur fireworks display at the end of your neighborhood growing up and the guy doing it really doesn't know how the fucking things work. So there's shit exploding on the ground and people ducking for cover. I think people got arrested by sheriff's deputies that game for setting that off. Yeah, that game was awesome because, you know, not only did we win um also Wiedemann was on side uh but so yes people brought strobes which i love and smoke um they lit them off and it got the cops attention and they were told to throw it out instead of throwing it out they threw it in the adjacent section um and then you know <laughs> lit some home fans on fire the culprit was then uh apprehended by uc police who i'm not sure if you know this but those are fucking like cops they're not campus police they are gun toting put you in jail rock bottom your ass in nippert stadium cops and that's exactly what happened they pulled this guy down he had some words to say and this cop i swear to god Dwayne the rock johnson rock bottom this dude guy popped up in handcuffs and his scarf Perfectly balanced. Fucking legend. <laughs> There's a great photo of that guy getting arrested too, uh, floating around the internet. It's a good one. What's really funny about that what's really funny about that too is that like you talk about like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson security, but like the guy that runs MLS security, his name is legitimately Jeff Stonebreaker. And I met him at an event once. One of the most intimidating people I've ever met. Like if you would have told me that this guy 
has like three or four bodies that he managed to disappear somewhere in the desert outside Albuquerque. I'd be like, that's an okay origin story. I buy it for this guy. <laughs> yep. Hundred percent that guy's an operator and he has seen time and places he's not allowed to mention for sure. Jesus. You think he's friends with Seth John? <laughs> he probably likes all of his Instagram posts, yes. So Max, if if somebody wanted to be the vice president of a supporters group and wanted to get involved in some of this, how do they do it? And by that I mean how the hell did you of all people end up here what how, how does how does somebody get involved in something like this so those are those are two i would say potentially very different questions but i, I would say if you are an person who wants to get involved uh, you know the answers in the question is get involved you know I, i'll say specifically for the pride if you show up and there's something you want to do um yolo like it's, it's, it's really up to you. If there's, if there's an idea you want to champion and I say champion, not say like it would be cool if, but like it, champion that idea, put yourself out there, um, resign yourself to the fact that you are going to be motherfucked by dozens of people who, um, you know, don't like seeing someone put their out there, put themselves out there. Uh, you know, the world's your oyster. <clears throat> it doesn't take a, a ton of effort to, um, you know, push an initiative forward. Now, it takes a ton of effort to keep it going. The way I got involved was, you know, I watched EPL like every other person in the city since the mid-2000s or so. Um, grew up playing American football, thought soccer was stupid, but started watching it, immediately captivated Obviously, beautiful game. We're all fans. That's why we're listening. Um, I went to the first match. Uh, I was in the family section because I had a family. And uh, I thought naively, oh, chants are just going to be happening. It's going to be like what I see on TV. I show up. Nah, there's a little bit of that. Not much. I look over at the Bailey. People clapping. They're chanting. Smoke's going off. Flags are waving. And I was like, well, I fucked up. I'm in the wrong section. Um, and you know, the chance were limited and I thought, you know, it'd be cool if we had a lot more of these, some wider ranging ones, some, some from different places. And the words of my brother were ringing in my ear. Don't let your opinions outweigh your input. Um, so I thought, well, I, I better shut the fuck up and do something about it. So I went to my basement and recorded probably 25 of the cringiest chants in the world. Um, maybe known to some as the basement tapes. Um, <laughs> and I brought him to a meeting and was immediately told to just go with it. You know, like, Oh, you have chance. Uh, sure. Uh, just do it. Um, and, and, and really the rest is history. You know, I, I wanted to get involved. I did. And then I just kept falling ass backward into continuing to do soccer things and somehow ended up as the VP of a supporter group, still trying to figure out how I ended up here or why. I got, I got a question about those chants. So uh -oh. let's say I have an idea for a really cool chant and just take my word for it. It's a really good idea. <laughs> um, it's set to industry baby by little Nas X. I'm already. And liking this. I, I just, I want this. I want to hear my chant from the Bailey. I'm not in the Bailey. So, you know, I want to hear it. <laughs> from my seats outside the Bailey. How do I get my chant in there? 
how do I how do I make sure that you know my contribution rings out in TQL Stadium in you know a season opening winner against DC United? Quick timeline, but I think we can make it happen. Um, <laughs> I would I would get on your cell phone and record whatever sort of version of that chant you can. A, a ton of people come up with ideas all the time. They're like, what if? To this tune, these lyrics. And then they just kind of leave it at that, which it's like, okay, if someone was so endeavoring, they could make something out of that. Uh, and that's cool. But it really helps to have like a fully fleshed out recording and um, send it to a supporter group. And, um, you know, if it's good, people will gravitate toward it and they'll, they'll take that idea and run with it. What if I just want to tweet at somebody? Who do I tweet to? <laughs> Uh, that would be at kdub at worstguyontwitter.com. <laughs> That's my handle. So, how'd you know? <laughs> so when you come up when you come up with these chants, I mean, I was the same way. I got involved with FC Cincinnati and got interested in FC Cincinnati because I've been watching English Premier League soccer forever. And um, you know, I'm a Chelsea supporter. We're having a little bit of troubles geopolitically right now, but we'll muddle through. Um. <laughs> When you listen to games over in Europe, it's most of the songs that they sing are pretty much one of five or six different basic tunes. It's a lot of nursery rhymes. I mean, endless variations on Sloop John B. Um, and it's pretty much the same thing stadium to stadium with not a lot of variation. How do you balance or what was your thought in balancing? Like people come to soccer games in FC Cincinnati to hear the classics and almost to, you know, we've been accused in America of cosplaying as Brits a little bit when it comes to our soccer support. How do you balance that with also trying to be new, unique and giving everything its own Cincinnati spin on things? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think again, you, the answers in you, in your question, like you, as an American anyway, uh, I personally like to try to get a healthy mix. Like obviously uh, English premier league chance, a lot of them, for me, they manifest uh, from the culture in the stands. Like, people are a lot more educated about the game in England. Um, they are a lot more used to bursting into song uh, spontaneously. And the people who go to the matches, especially the supporters, are absolutely fucked drunk. So we get, we tie one on in the States, but it's not the same over there. I I've been to a few matches and it is, we'll just say it's different. Um, so I think that it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to, as you said, acknowledge the classics. Like what I, what I like to do, and I'm just one guy, but I like to acknowledge the kind of the zeitgeist of the culture. So you're, um, your Kevin, help me out here. What's the uh, K Dub? Help me out here. What's the uh, what's the chant you were trying to get started for the longest time that we do finally do now? Dolly Cavesi. That's, that's yes. near and dear to my heart. Yes, yes. So literally the most popular chant in the world. And on one hand, you could say, "Oh, well, that's hackneyed. You shouldn't do stuff everyone else does." But it's it's kind of like when you're doing those chants, you're 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 celebrating the culture at large. And, and, and soccer for me is, is such a generalized cultural celebration, um, that, you know, chants like that make sense. Uh, yellow card in the sky. 
that is a full Cincy original that came from a combination of, of uh, boredom and alcohol and a childhood relic that's near and dear to all of our hearts if you are a person of a certain age slash a millennial. Um, and, and you know, all the way down to, hey, you've heard a, a chant that another MLS team does and it just bangs and you're like, you know, fuck it. We'll take that. People enjoy it. They're having fun. Down to, um, you know, adapting a song from a K-pop hit because it's got a catchy bridge and a chorus and you slam them together and suddenly have a chant. You know, I I hope that one day, at least in Cincinnati, as we, you know, mature as a fan base, we're able to react to the game more. But I also like, you know, um, and, and kind of going on a, on a tangent here, but when you have different cultures, you have different ways they approach their chanting. Like South America, it's balls to the wall. There's verses, there's choruses. They have thousands of words in their chants. It's ridiculous, but they, they just all know them. That's their culture. England, it's, you know, what sort of nursery rhyme can I, uh, can I make to make fun of this dude that fell on his ass? Um, and then you have this balance between, do we react to the game hundred percent or do we have songs that are just going to generate kind of a, an overall atmosphere of atmosphere feeling in the stadium? And I think that, you know, best case scenario, we blend all of those worlds together because I mean, this is America is kind of what we do. And isn't there to a certain extent that like the soccer culture over in England, like one of the things that I, I, I love and the songs that you can't help but love when you're a fan of the EPL is they're just funnier than we are. I don't know. Maybe that's just like watching too much Monty Python growing up, but like the British are very funny and like the songs they sing, they're a little, I guess they would call them cheeky. I guess. I don't know. Like a lot of making fun of people, a lot of shitting on other teams. Um, I was just watching the finish of the League Cup, and the Chelsea fans are still singing about Steve Gerrard slipping and costing them the league years ago. I couldn't find Steve Gerrard with a search warrant right now. Um, and Liverpool ended up winning that game, so it's like, okay, great. We're making fun of the guy that hasn't been there for half a decade. But, like, they don't let shit go. They keep making fun of stuff. And what role do you think that has in the stuff we do because I, I you know going to games at the Bailey a lot of our stuff is 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 good it's up tempo but we don't really I mean I guess it's hard to shit on people when we're so bad but like we really there's not a lot of humor to what we do is that something that you would want to add or how do you feel about that yeah I, I think that you know you kind of hit it there at the end like we were a lot more uh loose in the USL days when uh, you know, we won every once in a while, you could kind of fuck around a little bit. Um, now everything's just, it's been so dire for the last few years that, uh, it's, it's taken a little more serious of a tone, but you know, that's, that's another thing just culturally, they've had more time with the game. It's just natural. You come out of the womb, you're a fan of a team. That's, it just, it, it just is. Um, here, most of these fans are either coming to the game later or they're being brought to it and, there's a level of this is my band that I knew before you fucks knew about it. And I take it seriously and there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And it, I, I just think there's more angst generally in the American soccer fan. So I think we're less good at taking our hair down. But again, at the same time, uh, uh, so much of 
so much of what we can and do accomplish depends on what's going on with the team. And I, I think there's there's also a, a component where like we are hesitant yet to, you know, let's pretend we scored a goal. Like I think that would be, you know, doing that kind of stuff would be fun, but I don't know how many of us are ready to, as the English would say, take the piss out of ourselves quite yet. I think maybe I'm speaking for myself, but in Cincinnati, we're still kind of coming to terms with the fact that we're even here um, and, and really trying to make sense of, of what that means. And these last few years have, have not necessarily made it feel like it's going to be permanent. I know that's 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 irrational, but it, you, you just have this you know, losing creates a, a lot of a lot of dread. And I think that, um, you know, it's hard to be funny when you're dreading. Yeah, I know for me anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a knight of the Bailey, but I've I've tried to start my fair share of chance in the Bailey in matches, uh, even in away matches before. And one thing I've always run into is that people aren't willing to jump in and sing on something that they don't know uh before they don't they don't quite understand that somebody is like making a song up in front of them and like they're expected to join in like that just doesn't exist and like from what i can tell it takes like two years of the song being in in the bailey's rotation before some critical mass of people will have learned it and gone with it like again like dali cavese is one of my favorites because there are no words you're just making sounds i mean some teams put words to the song but you're just making sounds and after you've heard it like each verse or, or whatever you want to call it, each verse twice you should have it. You should have it for the rest of your life. It's very catchy. There's a reason why it's all over. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it felt like it's taken like two or three years for it to like stick with people. So um, that has to be a killer. I I don't know how many how many songs are in the rotation. How how many songs are in the uh, the old choir book there? Uh I think there's like there's close to thirty. Um, and I thirty. <laughs> I yeah, it's, Reddit told me we only do ten. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's always that's always a fun one, um, especially you know, and I've I've finally learned to stop doing this. But my my match day routine is like, I should say, post match routine is getting home and then looking at comments, just because I can't help myself. Um, I. Yeah, I just I love reading how the chance selection was why, you know, X, Y, Z happened in the match. But to your to your earlier point, it's it's you would think that the formula for what chant is going to take off would be something that's easily predicted. But to your point, Dalek Aveze, that was something we've been trying to do for years. It doesn't have any words, but it took literal years for people to latch on to it. And then you'll have a song with 20 words into it that catches the second time around. Like people are just, you catch them at the right time. They're like, oh shit, let's go. I'm into it. I love Blackpink, even though I've never heard of them. Um, or, you know, you'll have, um, you'll have what you think would be super complicated um, or catchy and it just doesn't go the way you want and you don't have no idea why or but then you'll try it at a different time it'll be fine it's 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 really just completely random so i met you mentioned that you go online and you read your comments it's actually 
funny you mentioned that. I'm actually looking at some of the mentions that we've had at previous matches right here. Um, on Twitter, uh, th- this guy, his name is StopSteel7736952 one and he his twitter avatar is an egg so i don't know what he's all about but he says wish there were more player specific chants in the bailey how can the team know we support them if we never sing about them also something about uh voting machines that we don't need to get into right now um what are your thoughts on player specific chants and responding to this this twitter user's comment I love player chance and I've made, you know, maybe made is too charitable a word, but I have yelled into oblivion dozens of player chance. Uh, for some reason, Tyler Pollock was my favorite one. Just Tyler Pollock, baby. I don't know why it just does it for me. Well, the human league slaps. That's why it does it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I'll, I've, it's, Okay, the player has to do well. Like that's that's just that's just how it is, and and that's that's come at a premium as of late. Like you in the USL days, um, our player chants were fire. We had a ton of them. Player touches the ball, they do something meaningful. Fuck whatever chant we were doing. You know, it's time for Ozzy, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. Um, it's just been a very little of that lately. Um, the Zico Bailey chant that we tried, basically like Zico Bailey to the tune of a a clock tower zico bailey zico bailey that took off immediately um but everyone wanted that kid to succeed guy scores a goal you know we're our season's already over it was just party time so you know that worked really well but just as of late you know what are you gonna what are you gonna sing for Hagelin? then he's gonna totally boof the next play or we had um the a submission came from a fellow fan for a Cameron song uh, to the tune of that pirate shant- shanty. Uh, that was sweet. We sang it for Cameron. Then the guy cramped, had a guy walk right by him for an easy tap in. <laughs> um, it's just like, we're, we're we, just as of late, we've been plagued every time we sing a song for a guy. Um, he shits the bed. But again, when we're good, I expect player chance to come back uh, torrentially. It's just, you know, they have to give us something to inspire people to sing about. It's, it's hard enough to get people to do like regular chants than to jump right on the bandwagon and, you know, sing for, I don't know, McCarrick or whatever, however his name's pronounced. That's going to be a tough one. I think it's totally what, on what do you have for Kubo? Um, well, funny you should say that. I was actually thinking earlier today, you, ya, Kubo, baby. <laughs> 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 but there's a there's a lot of options for that guy's name um some with more words some with less but yeah i've been i've been thinking about him i hesitate to say like oh what about this player chant because i i don't know i feel like uh i feel like the second i'm i mention one a player in their chant they're gonna get traded or injured or some shit so i, I try to keep that to myself so i don't bring a bring about any bad luck so i i, I got a question so um I think I think we should talk about the march. Ooh. So, um, what? Do, I mean, do you know anything about like what's the origin of the march? How did it get started? Um, how has it evolved? You know, what's involved with designing the march to TQL Stadium? So, if if I were if I were a professional journalist, I would just say, um, 
Can, can you talk about the march? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's another one that uh, that could take a while, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. It's against my nature. But uh, yeah, the march started. Um, I mean, a short version is we're not really a we never ended up being a, a really a tailgating um, soccer culture. We've we're kind of a pub based culture. And to get from the pubs to the stadium, uh, people got to walk there. And it, it kind of just evolved that it made sense to have some sort of procession. There are other teams that do that. Seattle famously has a big march. And, you know, when you're starting your own team, you're like, okay, well, what do other teams do? Um, if we have to walk a mile to get from our bar to the to the stadium, then we have drums. Well, let's go. So it, it really just came together. And I absolutely despise this word, but I would say organically, really forced out of the circumstances that we put ourselves in. You know, if you're, if you've got one group here, here, and here, then it makes sense for the march path to go by those bars, pick up more and more supporters as it goes on and come into the stadium. It's really one of, I would say the hallmarks of, of FCC's culture is, is the supporter march. And as it, exists today um again it was a consequence of of where the bars were you know the prides at northern row um several other groups are at several other places we have washington park which is a big focal place for the city um so we you know gather at finley market walk straight down to washington park and then take 14th to central to the stadium it's it's kind of the most direct path considering where the bars are and where supporters would be. Have you ever thought about having a march back from the stadium at the end of the game back to bars when everybody's all drunked up? Because, I mean, like, the march is fun, but I'm envisioning, like, what would happen if a drunk horde of angry Bailey people just poured out of the stadium and started smashing cars and setting shit on fire? And, like, if we did that, like, twice... I think everyone would get off our ass about the march to the stadium because it's like, see, it could be so much worse if we do it the other way. Has that been a thought we've had at any point? Uh, no, but uh, interesting idea and and does and does raise a so it, you you had the question about how how the march come together. Part of part of the pain in the ass behind the march is working with local officials to get it pulled off. And the funny part is we're an amazingly polite fan base you know we're in cincinnati we're not going to get too out of pocket regardless um but you would be surprised the hoops that we've had to jump through to continue to not cause any problems for the last six years um so yeah i think that's i think that's a good idea uh we should cause some shit um burn a few things down and say this is how it could be so maybe work with us a little bit well to to, to that to that statement too like has there been any pushback from the residents of Over the Rhine? Because, I mean, we went from, in Nippert, we were motoring through mostly uh, commercial areas. And now the march, I've noticed we go through a lot of residential areas, um, a lot of houses with probably an extra zero in the price tag versus where they would have been 15, 20 years ago. How, how has been the response from the community to a horde of soccer hooligans uh, marching towards a soccer stadium that they didn't want built there? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, surprisingly, the reception so far as I can tell has been very good. One one 
thing, we leave the street cleaner than we find it. Um, number two, we, you know, we, we, we kind of eased into the march. We started on the sidewalks. We were, you know, not playing drums down pleasant. Um, but after a few times, you know, people were coming out, they were clapping along. Um, we started taking the street as the march got bigger. We were playing drums for more of the stretch of Pleasant Street and more and more people came out to like dance and sing and clap with what we were doing. Um, I would say that it seemed like the community kind of embraced it. Um, also, it's like nine minutes of inconvenience. Uh, you know, part of the idea behind the march is how do you get X hundred number of drunk people from point A to B. Honestly, the march is the most practical and safe way to do it. It's not like it's something you're going to miss. And it's not like a Bengals or Reds game where the entirety of the city is just crawling with humanity for three hours and traffic is totally snarled. And, you know, there's accidents at, at so many intersections because people aren't paying attention. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out well um, so far, but hey, there's always, there's always time. So you know how there's like research. If you play uh, like Mozart to plants, they grow better. The march <laughs> probably passes like six or seven plant stores. Has there been any research done on the effect of uh, bass drums and Bailey music on the growth of like uh, little succulents? If the answer is yes, I have a tremendous business opportunity as soon as a certain constitutional amendment gets passed in November. So please continue. Um, so I do think I remember an episode of Mythbusters that revealed that more noise in general makes plants grow faster because the vibrations are just agitating them. Uh, so it inspires them to grow more. So I would say that it would stand a reason that you could safely infer more bass drums means bigger, healthier plants. So have you asked Gia or the Blooms for any contribution <laughs> toward the Smoker TIFO budget? Uh, not yet, but I, I think you've given us a great uh, fundraising opportunity. I love the idea of the March improving local businesses. That's uh, that's one for the PowerPoint next time you're, you're speaking to a community board down there. Um, I'll say for me, like, the March is one of my favorite things. It's one of one of my favorite FC Cincinnati uh, traditions. And what's been so frustrating about the move um, in TQL is just how bad the team has been. And we haven't got to see an OTR March. And uh, that's where the, the, the American Outlaws uh, USA Mexico March uh, to me was, was sort of like what FC Cincinnati – could look forward to as a uh, as a, maybe that's not an every game thing, but but that's the the peak it could reach. Um, how how does something like that come about? Where you're working with another organization like the American Outlaws, which is kind of like a supporters group, but their club is the national team, and presumably you're also a fan. So how, how did that march come together? How did working with that organization work? Yeah, that, that was wild. Um, it, it's, I want to say, the fourth time we've had a national team game. Uh, the good news is we are hyper-organized in Cincinnati. Um, 
you know, thanks to a lot of hardworking people and a lot of groups, we we are uncommonly uh, shit togethered over here. And it seems like AO National does not have that experience everywhere. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of like a they're they're kind of like a forced multiplier in that they will make a fan base who can pull off a three. They'll make them a six. If they go to a fan base that can pull off a nine, they're probably going to make them a six. Um, so it's just because, you know, U.S. soccer is so regimented um, and American outlaws for all their ills. I will say it makes sense why they exist. Um, and I'll I'll just leave it at that for 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 commenting on American outlaws themselves. Now, as far as working with them again. We're pretty organized here. Um, I think we lucked into a lot of, you know, driven, educated, fairly well-adjusted people that were involved pretty early and heavily to get all this set up. So they didn't have to fly too much in. You know, we were like, hey, we know how to do TIFO. We know how to organize chants. Um, you know, we'll play nice. And really, we we every time they've come here, we work together well. And you said... That USA-Mexico game is what this could be. The march was insane. There were tons of people. The stands were absolutely rocking. And like, it's not like the chants that AO does are are like groundbreaking. They're really mostly zeitgeisty chants. And I found that the reason you'll go to a Reddit thread and say, well, all, all FCC has AO chants. Turns out they go around the country just stealing everyone's chance. So eventually everything becomes an AO chant. So they're, they, they like wrote down some of the AO national people full since the originals. And we're like, hey, what do you guys think about this chant? And they're like, oh, we're taking that. So expect in, 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 in short order for some of our cultural artifacts to end up just being, you know, fodder for the rest of the nation. But, but yeah, it's, it's, um, Interesting to work with those guys. Um, I've actually come to like it a little more now that I've understood, you know, what their their overall mission is. But yeah, it's that experience was really what FCC could be. Ridiculous march, ridiculous um, involvement, you know. And and I, I I think we can get there. It's just you know going to take some time. So the question I have then is, if AO steals from Cincinnati. Why don't we take our show on the road with AO? Like, why isn't Max Ellerby out there as one of these people dressing up like a Civil War general or like, you know, somebody in World War II marching across Africa? Like, why don't we have Darren Russell dressing up like Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, <laughs> leading people in chants? Why don't we have, you know, why is Dan Blumenfeld not dressing up like FDR? Or why aren't <laughs> we being the people that can actually do this and helping the American outlaws get better? And being the force multiplier and really taking over soccer. Where are we on that? Uh, well, if uh, if anyone were so endeavoring to travel around all these USA games, go to Minnesota, have their beer freeze in their cups. I, yeah, I think they would. I think they'd like to. I think they'd like to help. I mean, meet, hanging out with these guys a couple of times in the past few months. Um, they're like a decently close knit group of friends who, who travel to a ton of these games. And I, I think that, you know, really anywhere you are in the country, if, if you were really interested in doing something like that and you wanted to put the work in and be involved, I'm, you know, 
again, it, it, there's nothing to it but getting involved. That that's really that's really the barrier to entry to soccer stuff. I know I know that soccer fans often get accused of, of gatekeeping, and, and very often it is it is uh, an apt description of what goes on. But um, it's also it's also wild how open the door is to anyone who has some drive. I'm all about creating a rival organization. I know. I, I got an idea. We could call it, uh, you know, Turning Point U.S. Soccer. Because uh, U.S. Soccer is experiencing a turning point in relevance uh, globally. Or like the Club for Growth. We're here to grow the number of people who love soccer here in America. Oh, my God. I'm loving this. What was what was the one group that... Uh... I forget the names of the people that are involved in it, but the answer is Sam's Army, and their name is now a barstool podcast. Oh. That was you go back in the day, back when you know the World Cup was being shown at like three in the morning because they weren't showing anything on tape delay. It was always Sam's Army that had the banners out there that I remember growing up. I, for the life of me, I can't remember when the American Outlaws started. Like all of a sudden, one World Cup, these weirdos were here instead of Sam's Army. And I was like, oh, I guess they under new management now, like some chain restaurant that flipped over. It's just like when Occupy became Occupy Democrats. (laughs) Or like when you're following like a page on Facebook (laughs) and like somebody clearly buys the million followers that they've accumulated and all of a sudden you're seeing ads for deodorant where it used to be funny memes. Like I think that's what happened with the American Outlaws. Or InBev buys your local craft brewery. (laughs) I mean, honestly, American Outlaws business models fucking brilliant. And I, I know, um, Chief Warpig, you at, at times have been like, why do we not just put everything down in a standard operating procedure and sell this to places like Charlotte? They could they could avoid their massive PR fuck ups and, you know, you could go down there and consult. Um, there's nothing soccer fans love more than uh, browbeating people and telling them how much they know. So maybe just make a job out of it. Go and tell everyone how to be a fan. Oh, I don't need to tell. I don't need a job to tell people how to behave. I do that for free all the time. <laughs> if you can get paid for this shit, fuck. Where do I sign up? Hey, man, consulting's big business. Uh, next. Also, the group I was thinking of was Sam's. Or damn it, you've you've inceptioned me. Uh, Sons of Taft. That's what I'm. That's what I was thinking about. Sons of no, no, no. no. So, no, so we no. We. I know you're not. I know you're not supposed to criticize your guests, but I think you're wrong. No, no, no. I'm that. saying you I, take I think that. You're wrong. You no. It's they're not a they're not a national team supporter group. I'm saying it was a, a group of people. I think um, I think uh, Knifey Lion Radio uh, made some Sons of Taft T-shirts. But I'm saying if you're if you're talking about creating a Cincy. Uh, organization that would compete with AO National, let's call it the Sons of Taft, and they go out on the road and they do their thing. Generally, I'm oh, fuck, very... call, them the, call, them the, call them the Cincinnati Reds. They're not using the name <laughs> oh! this year. <laughs> Generally, I'm very skeptical of uh, local organizations that uh, dress in kind of colonial garb and I don't know. I don't know about this. Stadiums enough already. That's the group I uh, I'm a member of. Um, next, <laughs> how do we get a horn in the Bailey? That's my next crusade. As I leave the Bailey, I would like a horn in the Bailey. <laughs> well, like anything in the Bailey, uh, you undergo a three month debate um, 
with uh, several groups um, and uh, lose your will along the way and it just doesn't happen. That's probably how you get a horse. How about an accordion? I think an accordion would slay for a supporters group. I mean, look, you get it mic'd up, uh, you get it over the PA, uh, call Jeff Birding personally, make sure it's all good, obviously. Uh, that's step one. But uh, yeah, I We're think- We're just going to turn the knights into flogging Molly. That's all I want to have happen Listen, here. There's a thin line between mariachi and umpa, and I feel like soccer is the place where you thread that needle in Cincinnati. See, I'm all that like, fuck it, let's get weird. <laughs> like, every single odd instrument you can throw in the bailey. Like, why not? I'm still trying to get a keg in there. They make a nice sound. Slipknot proved that. It's true. I think uh, yeah. Grayson brought up this instrument the other day, but uh, a theremin. If we could get somebody throwing their hands between a couple of electric rods, I think that'd be a good look. Uh, I fucking love theremin, so do not tempt me. What about like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones where there's one guy that just dances? Like if you thought about having one guy that just is in the nights and all he does is just dance back and forth at the front just to hype people. I mean, admittedly, that is one of the chief deficiencies we have in the nights is choreo. So, uh, yes. Yes to dancing guy. Especially if he's got a good skank What about the dude from Foxy Shazam? Look, if any uh, local uh, heroes would like to make their way into the supporter base and and share their greatness with us, I'm sure they would be welcomed with open arms, at least from the people who knew who they were, and the other people would gatekeep the fuck out of them. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Max, I gotta say, it was uh, was a blast having you here. Enlightening, to say the least. Uh, Astonishing. Uh, to me, anyway, how much all of this shit costs and how uh, easy it is to jump in and get involved. Uh, I, I think the big takeaway here, the headline takeaway is if you have a dope chant idea, uh, record yourself singing it and post it on the Internet. Because if you can't if you can't get that far, how can you expect anybody else to to sing your chants? But um Max, we got the home opener this season. Uh, where can people find information about the Bailey, the March? They want to learn a song before they go to this game. Uh, where where can they find all that information? So if, uh, if we make it this far, the Incline Collective website, which I believe is inclinecincy.com, should have all that information. Uh, that is the website that the supporters collaborate on, uh, dropping information about away support, marches, chants, events, so on and so forth. So that kind of stuff should be there. If it's not, sorry, it'll be up soon. Uh, this this year kind of snuck up on us, you know, with um, with all the doom scrolling we've been doing for the last two and a half years. It's it, you know, time is a flat circle. So, but yeah, that's that's where you can find everything and. Um, yeah, if you want to get involved, get involved. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Max, for uh, stopping by. And uh, we'll catch the rest of you listeners over there in part three. All right, we're in the third part of the show. 
this is gonna be a little faster in here. Uh, we're gonna hit you with a couple of quick segments. Uh, props to uh, Max LRB for for coming on here. Uh, I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh, Chief, we got some clickbait out there. Rheingeist, they're sponsoring Columbus Crew. What's the take? Are we allowed to be mad about this? Is it dumb to be mad about this? What are we looking at here? Oh, it's incredibly dumb to be mad about this, but. That's part of the fun. You're supposed to be mad at Ryan Geist when they side with the Columbus crew. That's, that's the bit that's keeping it kayfabe, is that we're supposed to hate the people that are supporting our rivals. But no, if you really honestly give a fuck about this, just do less, okay? Just calm down. Like, I'm okay hating Ryan Geist because every single one of their beers tastes the exact same, uh, same as the other one. It's like, hey, let's throw galaxy hops in this and see if it becomes better. Like, Okay, fine. Like, that's, you can clown on Ryan guys for that. You can clown on Ryan guys for the fact that it's a fucking calisthenic workout to get up to their tap room from the ground floor. That's perfectly acceptable to clown on Ryan guys for. But this, this is, this is a non, this is a nothing burger. This is nothing. And I will, I will never forgive them for trying to smuggle a uh, Ryan guys flag to the front of the Bailey one time. That was a, uh, that was a big, uh, uh, I don't know, that was an unforgivable sin in a lot of ways. But Grayson, you ever uh, protest a company because they sponsor a sports team you don't like? Has that ever come up in your life? So I, I think we should have economic sanctions against Columbus generally. <laughs> but I, but like seriously, I hate to agree with the chief here because uh, I hate to agree with the chief on anything. But... This this whole thing seems like a who care. Um, I sit in um, one of the club sections, and uh, we have eight at least eight beers on draft that are better than anything that Rheingeist uh, puts out. And what I do every game is I have uh, one of each, and then I start tweeting. <laughs> so um, I, I I just couldn't care less what what Rheingeist does. See, for me, I'm glad this happened because I don't know if anybody else noticed, but on Columbus's Twitter, they hate this. They do not want a Cincinnati brewery sponsoring their club. They're arguing they have lots of Columbus breweries. Why can't they be one of the corporate sponsors? Uh, so I feel like people are missing the point where Columbus fans kind of have to drink Cincinnati beer, and that's... Right, isn't that like the ultimate indictment of Columbus culture? <laughs> Uh, hey guys, if we weren't getting mad about uh, some local beer sponsoring a semi-local team, uh, people were getting pissed off at the players, not for the performance on the field, although that might have been a part of it, but uh, they weren't clapping to the away fans. Grayson, are you offended that the players wouldn't acknowledge the fans that traveled all that way for the season opener, or... Do, do you blame the players for being embarrassed and not wanting to show their faces and maybe maybe have a bottle thrown at them? Rather than answer that question, I would like to just make like a <laughs> like a general observation that I do think that the uh, baby boom generation is probably the softest generation that America has ever produced. Um, they're always needing to be acknowledged and thanked and congratulated for all that they've done. And so that that's uh, that's just how I'll leave it. I don't care how, how much the, how much that brown liquor have you had this evening. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's n not all of it's brown. You kind of go back and forth. So. <laughs> 
I love that uh, your question reminds me of another question. Uh, <laughs> sort of twist there. Uh, Chief, if you had made the trip to Austin, which I assume you didn't. Um, I did not. Would you uh, have been offended if uh, you, you hadn't seen uh, Alec Khan can come out and uh, and applaud you for coming out? Let me tell you something. After a 5 nothing loss, after a 5 nil loss, I would be so torched. <laughs> I wouldn't know when the game had ended. That would be the goal of a game like that, where you're getting absolutely worked at a road trip. If you're sober enough to know that the team didn't clap you off the pit, didn't clap as you as the away fans they went off the pitch, you are doing this shit all wrong. And I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, it's such a little thing where it's like, yeah, like in an ideal world, would you want the players to show support for the fans? Sure. But it's also like a, one of those character tests where, like, if you are the type of person that gets mad about this, just stay home. Like, don't go to the game. Like, if you're that needy, like, be with someone who, who loves you and gives you the support you need because a bunch of soccer players is not going to fill that void in your life. Maybe beer will, but the team sure as shit won't. So I just remembered that I have experience with this kind of scenario. I went to the Minnesota game in 2019 that we lost seven. Oh, God. <laughs> and um, by, by halftime, I was down in front of that brew pub um, behind the goal. And I was just getting free drinks from Minnesota fans who'd walk up to me and they would say, you know, whenever I had an open, an open hand, they would say, did you come from Cincinnati for this? And I would say, yes, I did. And they would say, oh, I'm sorry, man. And they would just give me a beer. So, so wait, hot, so question, is it better to be a shitty team as a road fan and just play the sympathy card? Like, I can't believe how bad this is and see just how much pity these people will take on you. Cause like, I mean, I'm in the pride discord and like people were talking about on the away channel, like, oh, they were the nicest fans ever. Well, yeah, of course they were the fucking nicest fans ever. We're like a FedEx delivery of three points whenever we show up to town. They have to love seeing us come in. Like, the orange jerseys come out, and they're like, oh, hell yeah, this is about to be fun. We're like a buy game for MLS. Like, <laughs> of course our fans should be a good sight to have. Yeah, so by the so like I, I was, you know, getting fed drinks all second half. By the time the players would have been walking around clapping anybody, I was on my way to the gay 90s. I'd rather be in my seat waiting for the drag show to start than see Jeff Cameron walk around <laughs> clapping at me after he's given up five goals. That's beautiful. It does remind me of, I think the last time I remember this controversy popping up in the uh, in the fan base was uh, New York City last year when we lost, uh, was it 5-2 to two and all of the goals were own goals and, and things like that. Um isn't it incredible that like we have so many of these games where it's like we just get absolutely annihilated on the road and it's like, oh yeah, that game where the fan base was expecting to be clapped off after we got the shit beat out of us. But what I loved about that one in particular is the players didn't clap for the fans. And then afterwards, I think it was Joe Chow, but at least a couple of guys came out and said they couldn't find the away fans in the baseball stadium structure. They couldn't identify where in the weird seating arrangement the, I don't know, 20 fans would have been sitting. Um, and I just found that amazing. That they, Auxiliar they the one in tried. shambles. <laughs> hey, they're a massive organization up there, but uh, uh, Joe Chow couldn't down. find them. 
<laughs> just couldn't find them. So, so the best away fan experience I ever had was at the AFC Championship this year, because Ooh. the KFC, the the KC fans were so nice to me when we were down twenty one to three, and in fact, um, at half <laughs> at, at halftime, um, the fans sitting next to me shared their fireball airplane bottles with me that they had brought into the stadium. And, you know, the whole time they're very, they're very, very nice to me. But by the end of the game, uh, uh, we go up by three. Everybody, everybody flips. They get miserable. I'm now the one having a great time. And I walk out of the stadium the happiest man alive and also was treated very, very respectfully the entire time. Did they like send you like a Venmo money request for like the fireball bottles like at the end of the game? Like <laughs> we gave this asshole five bot shots of fireball taking pity on him, and then Joe Burrow snatched our soul at the end of the game. You better fucking pay up for that. I'm sorry. Late breaking news here. Uh Jonah hitting us with a KLR minute. Oh my god, he remembered. He's got a broken computer. Poor guy's just limping along here. Uh Jonah hit us with that KLR minute. What did you expect? It's a question we've heard a lot since Saturday's shit fest. One group of people asking what do you expect are rational, handsome, intelligent fans. The other group asking what did you expect are hacks and losers. The first group poses the question because our roster looks disturbingly like last year's garbage team. The other group says, I thought we all knew this would take First group points out that losing five to fucking zero would be embarrassing with Sem DeWitt at the six. But the group from hell says, Albright still doesn't have all the pieces he needs. Smart group says no fucking shit. The bad people tell us that this is how it goes in a rebuilding year. Then I say, because I'm in the second group, if you couldn't tell. I says, I says, nobody told me we might be even worse than last year. The first group tells me that this team is much better than what we saw on Saturday. Then Yapstam peeks his head in and says, I thought the same thing. Smart group takes up podcasting and lets me do a minute, but I only need 40 seconds. I can't believe Damn. he said that. Dude's too good. He's too good. I mean, is he recording this on a like a tape recorder? Like, does he have like a cassette tape thing since his computer's broken? Like reel to reel? Is that how we're doing this? I like to imagine it's uh, it's one of those spy pens you got from the Scholastic School Fair that uh, could record like a couple of minutes in the pen. Or like that thing that like they used in Home Alone too, like the Talk Boy that like somehow managed to trick Donald Trump into giving him like five nights <laughs> at a hotel for free. Chief, we've got DC United coming in to town. Uh, early line had Cincinnati as the favorite on this one, but uh, <laughs> I guess I guess Vegas quickly realized that was a really poor investment on their part. Um, but a draw is actually the uh, the longest odds if I'm looking at this correctly. Uh, if if you're betting the uh, the match result here, where where are, you, where are you throwing your shekels? I just at this point, like I was, if I had gone. Like Grayson had out to Indiana, I would have bet on FC Cincinnati to win last week just because I'm, you know, I, I, I was confident last week. I don't know where the fuck that came from, but <laughs> apparently it was it was entirely misplaced. Um, what are we at right now? We're at plus 210 to win, I think, which is absurd. I, uh, I, I, I 
your money has to go on DC United in this game. Like until FC Cincinnati shows you otherwise, there's no there's no rational reason to believe this team's going to win a game until they do. So that's where I'm at. I would bet DC United. And of course, if I do that, the team will win by three goals. Like FC Cincinnati will win big if I put my money on it. Yeah, if you're betting uh, three and a half goals over on three and a half goals, you got you got plus one ninety there. So I don't know if you're looking for uh, DC to put a uh, beating on us like they did uh, Charlotte. Uh, I want to say FCC is on the. I I saw this. I haven't fact checked this, so I apologize if I'm just throwing some uh, some fake news out there. But uh, FC Cincinnati losing 13 consecutive matches, I believe, is an MLS record. I think it ties an MLS record. Um, But that's pretty damn hard to do, especially in a league that is so built from the ground up on parity. Yeah, I I think you just keep rolling. FCC gets beat and gets beat big uh, until they prove otherwise, man. That's... Nah, it's way it's way too early in the season for me to go on the record and pick FC to lose. <laughs> First home game, man. It's 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 all it's all, it's all gravy, baby. We're going to the playoffs still. We are still going to the playoffs. We're going to beat DC and it's going to all be turned around and this whole Austin game is going to be a blip. Chief, you see any uh you see any prop bets out there that uh that caught your eye. Caught my eye. Yeah, apparently, if you want to bet DC United to beat us five nil, like the like the last game that we played, um, you can get some decent odds on that. If you want to bet FC Cincinnati to bet five nil, it's plus thirteen thousand. So <laughs> if you're if you're betting, we'll be ending up at a zero goal differential after uh, after two games. There's some heavy value on that. Um, there's a tasty one, FC Cincinnati to come from behind and win plus three twenty. So if you really want to oh, play the geez. if you want to play the emotional roller coaster, there's some action for you on that as well. I think uh, I think Max's dad's form of entertainment would work just as well there. Just take your money, set it on fire, and go wee. Um, that's that's going to be about as useful as betting on FCC to come from behind. Uh, what was it, Gracie? You said earlier uh, this week. We've done it once in MLS, maybe twice. We've come from behind to win. I believe it's only happened one time. I think that the, I think the one game that FC has come back to win was against Montreal. It was the game where uh, Lacadia scored the header and Viasia scored the goal off of the set piece. So all we need for that to happen again is an empty stadium game in Florida against a team that has been decamped away from home for multiple months. <laughs> not allowed to see their their loved ones for for weeks on end denied uh, poutine for multiple weeks forced to endure american bagels and the and english remember, language both of those teams finished higher than us in the table and toronto fired their manager 10 games in so that was solid that's just awesome i remember the montreal game pretty pretty intensely because i was out in uh, joshua tree and we were just leaving the park and I was just getting connection at like the 75th minute or whatever. So I watched the entire comeback. Oh, that's got to be fun. Yeah, skip the boring parts and watch just the comeback. <laughs> you know, before FCC had uh, 
you know, these three seasons in one game in MLS. I always loved the idea of having a, a season DVD to look back on. But man, if you tried to splice one together of even the last three years of the good one, the good moments, it's not a long DVD. If you ever want to get really bored, you can go and you can find online all of the NFL films, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, season yearbook videos from the mid-90s. Like David Klingler era Cincinnati Bengals, where they attempt to spin it at the end of the video of like, this is a team on the rise because they won one of their last four games. Like, it's some pathetic shit. And you can really see the NFL's marketing machine at work that they somehow managed to find 30 minutes of positive highlights from a team that went like 3 and 13. What do you play a DVD on? Damn. Great point. I don't, but it's, I don't know what else to call it. I want to buy a team video. I want to, I guess I just put it on YouTube at this point, but uh, I don't know. Okay, Boomer. Can we stream it? Can we stream? All right. All right. Well, me and my VHS tapes. (laughs) Kevin's going to watch his VHS tapes and complain that the players didn't clap for him. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. I deserve to be recognized. And when you think about it, well, actually, I'd argue the away fans did put in more effort than the team on the field, so maybe they did deserve the uh, the clap there. But, um, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for the old postcast. Episode 2, we got it. We got it done. And, uh, I mean, psh, we keep this momentum up. We're, we're going to end up with three episodes on this bad boy. So, uh, Chief, Grayson, guys, thanks for coming out. Um Again, if you're somehow listening to this on our website, which an amazing number of you guys did uh, last week, you can find us on your favorite podcast apps these days. Go search for us, Cincy Pa Postcast. Dear God, I can't remember the name. Don't forget the Pa before Postcast. Pa, Cincy Pa Konate Postcast. (laughs) Catch you next time. (laughs) 